Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Divi Chat. Woo, you made it. We had people in the chat uh, at 18 minutes before the hour. I just want you guys to know that. I would like to give a shout out to Jordan and Joan who were here that early. I would also like to say you clearly don't know us very well. <laughs> and somehow my I don't have my headphones in and I don't even know where something is coming from. I'm so sorry. I just was uh, telling our guest here that headphones are a must do and that is the reason why. Our friend that we have here today, I'm so excited, is uh, Michelle Bourbonair. Is that how you say your name? I, I meant to ask mm -hmm. you that beforehand. I just listened to a podcast you were on with uh, Josh Hall and he tried to like fancy it up. He was like Bourbonnier. And I was like, is that how it is? Because I didn't, I didn't think so. We're all big Josh Hell fans around here. He used to be a panelist on the show, of course. So anyway, um, why don't we go around? We're going to just do a quick intro. We will each introduce ourselves and then so you can hear how we do it, Michelle. And then because like everything on Divi Chat, we're just making it up as we go along. Right, everybody? Um, so uh, Sarah, why don't you start today? Hey guys, Sarah Oates here from Endure Web Studios here from Australia. We build, sorry, <laughs> we build websites for small businesses, mostly here in Australia, although sometimes we do some other places as well. Uh, you can find us at endure.com.au or Endure Web on the socials. Awesome. Eric Dingler, please give, please give a long enough intro so that I can go grab my AirPods out of the next room. Okay. <laughs> Pressure hey. is on. They, they both left. Disappeared. They don't want to listen back. to you. <laughs> this is, if you just listen to the podcast, from time to time, you do want to try to make it to the live show because it's, it's you're missing a lot on the screen there. Um, hey, everybody. My name is Eric Dingler. Um, I'm broadcasting currently from Mexico City. My family and I are full-time digital nomads, and so every few months we move to a new country in the world. Uh, I own In Transit Studios. That's my digital marketing agency where we work with local businesses to turn their websites into marketing hubs to get new customer activity every single day. Um, and you, if you want to follow me for digital nomad stuff or you want to follow me for web design stuff or whatever it might be, you can find all of my stuff at ericdingler.com. Well done. Thank you. My name is Stephanie Hudson, y'all. You know who I, you know who we all are, but my name is Stephanie Hudson. I am the co-owner of Focus WP, where we help you grow and scale your business. We just give you an automatic team for your whole agency to do any of the things that your clients need. So you can outsource without the stress. Anyway, uh, you can find out more about us at focuswp.co. And I have another domain another new little thing that I might I might tell you about later because it's still being built while we're talking right now. So, uh, you know, you know how we are. We get these things and we build them and we cannot wait to launch them into the world. So stick around till a little bit later and I'm going to tell you all about it. And now I would like to introduce my very good friend, my new friend, really. Like we've just recently become friends, Michelle Absolutely. and I. We have a very traditional female friendship in that we like to get together on Zoom and talk about artificial intelligence. You know, just girl <laughs> stuff, That's right. right? Classic. 
<laughs> Indeed. So that's me. <laughs> um, my name is Michelle Bourbonnier. Um, my company is edited by Michelle.com and I'm an SEO editor. So that means that I edit websites so that uh, Google understands them better and ranks them better. And also so that humans like them better and convert. Um, so basically, I love this topic and I'm so excited to be here. And thank you for inviting me. And I, I mean, I'm just a little bit obsessed with the AI writing and like just what is going on in that world. And I've gone a little bit, perhaps too deep, um, but Stephanie and I have been geeking out on the side and talking about that a lot. Um, so I'd be glad to talk about that as well today because I think it's, you know, blogging and SEO in 2023 is going to change. <laughs> um, and so I think it's just very timely. It is. Um, so I don't think I've even said the title of this episode or our topic, but today we're going to be talking about um, blog content, but how you can format your blog posts and structure your blog posts so that you can get more conversions on your site and have better SEO. So we're not saying to completely recreate the wheel, but however you're writing them, if you're writing them yourself, if you're using an AI tool, if you're using a professional copywriter, whatever mm. you're doing, there are some additional things that you can do to maximize the benefits from those efforts. And uh, Michelle happens to be an expert on this. Sarah Oates is no slouch. Eric Dingler knows a thing or two. I'm just, I'm, I just need all the help I can get. Huh. But uh, guys, so let's talk like the bare basics to maximize. Let's see, do we want to talk about conversions or SEO first? Sure. I think, I think it's important to kind of lay the ground of, you know, maybe what you for those that definition are, area kind of, of the <laughs> what what's the why why blog because that's a number one that's a question i get asked a lot uh from some starting to, or talking to companies is like well why would i blog i don't have anything new to say you know mm. um I don't, I don't think you know my my potential customers will really want this and so is blogging does it only make sense for certain niches could, could it make sense for everybody? So I, I think we should maybe lay the foundation of like, why blog? Great, I do have, it. I have no idea. I'm, I'm excited to do the <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I can answer that one. So the way I like to think about it when I'm working with clients, so I do SEO editing, but I also do content planning. So I, I find topics for people to write on. Um, and the way that I explain it is blog posts are for people who are at the top of the funnel, people who... Um, you know, they're not, they don't have their wallets out. They're not ready to buy the thing that you're selling, but they literally don't know you exist right now. And they're in the, they're in the process of learning and they're not going to find out about you unless you have stuff on the internet. Um, and so blog posts are a way to attract new people to your website and to your brand um, so that they quite literally know that you are out there in the world. And if you can bring people there, then, you know, you, you attract them almost like you're fishing for people. You attract them with a blog post that like shows what an expert you are and scratches their itch and like answers their question that they have when they sat in front of Google and wrote something in. And then you you attract them through your blog post, and then your goal is to move them onto other pages of your site, <laughs> um, and to get them sort of like moving into your core pages, into your offer pages, maybe fill in an opt-in while they're there. I mean, we'll get there as we discuss how this stuff all goes together, but blogging is still super relevant because if you have a five-page website for the vast majority of businesses, that is just not gonna cut it. Um, you won't get much attention from Google at all. So, I mean, there's lots of other ways to get attention 
than just Google. But if you're interested in SEO and you're interested in getting the free traffic from Google, you basically need a site that's more than just a brochure site. Uh, so Eric, how are you using blogging to grow your business? My business or my client's mm -hmm. business? Well, I was asking your business first. Not as effectively as I should, um, honestly. <laughs> so, uh, I'll get into it and I'll post, you know, three, four blog posts right in a row and then I get busy. Um, and then a couple months later, I don't write anything. Um, but I do completely agree. I read a statistic somewhere, I forget where, but um, people on the, the top of that funnel that are in the awareness stage of the buying cycle, like Michelle was saying, um, the average person, if they're going to, if the, if the website is a, is in the realm of like over a $5,000 purchase, which for most of my stuff, it is, um, most people are going to read 20 pages before they make a decision. Mm -hmm. Um, so that shows you got to have a lot of content. Sarah, do you blog? We've just started blogging. So it's been one of those things like I've kind of meant to do it, haven't got around to it. We haven't really needed it to this point. Um, and now I'm at the point where I would like to start attracting a little bit more through SEO. So we've just started. Um, Sophie and I are going to do one a month each and just get going slowly. Um, and so, you know, she'll do one on design and I'll do one on web and we'll see if we can attract a few people. So yeah, we're only just just delving in. We haven't even promoted that because I want to at least have a few on there before we start like saying, hey, come look at our blog because at the moment there's only two posts. So, <laughs> yep. Is it, it's hilarious that we all know how important all of this is and yet we all yep. kind of suck at it. Yeah. yeah. Again with the cobbler's kids, you know. Michelle, do you blog? I do and I don't. So I do and I do get, so this is hilarious and it's so true. I have blog posts that rank and bring me traffic and business on a regular basis. So to say that I, I, I absolutely have done this for one site. Um, if you Google how to proofread a website, I have been number one on that or number two on that for literally years. I just wrote a monster. Nice. I know it's, I, out, I outrank Grammarly. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I wrote a monster post. I mean, it's literally something that I am a world specialist in. I mean, it's a very niche thing to be a specialist in, but I am good at it. Um, and so <laughs> I showed my process. Like I, I wrote out how I do it. Um, and editors love it. I mean, I get emails all the time from other editors who Googled that. And then they're like, it was so helpful. Thank you so much. So that's great. And also cool. there's a certain group of people out there that, um, have a website in front of them and they're like, shoot, this needs to be uh, proofread. And mm -hmm. then they Google how to proofread a website. And then they come to me and they're like, looks like she knows how to do it. And then they get that. <laughs> so just to say that like info content, if it has like informational content, blog posts, yeah. um, if it has, I always like to think of it as there's, if there's like a plausible path to a conversion, I think it's worth it. So how to proofread a website. Okay. Some of those people just want it proofread already. They don't really want to do it themselves. And if they could just find someone they could trust, they'd be very happy to outsource it. Um, so not all blog posts are going to convert like that. In fact, most probably won't. Um, but just to say, I don't actually have many blog posts. I mean, you guys can all check out my website. I think I have like nine um, and one that I never published, <laughs> um, but um, it does work. And, and, and I, I do it with clients all the time. It's just, it's the same problem. 
What it's what's the same problem? Oh, it's the same problem. I like work on other people's sites instead of my own. Right. And, and I get I, my business is doing fine, so I don't have to. And like exactly. Yeah. Uh, guys in the chat, if you're listening live, let us know if you are, uh, blogging for your business or like us, if this is something that you just sort of know you should be doing or wish you were doing this, uh, episode might be the little kick in the pants that we all need to get out there and actually do it right. Sometimes it's not just that we're too busy or that we're doing other things, um, you know, M Michelle excluded maybe from this, but sometimes it's just intimidating. It seems like a lot of work mm -hmm. and you don't know what to write about. You don't know how to maximize things. And so that's what we're here to sort of demystify today. And on the SEO perspective, I understand why people don't blog because for most people, it feels like they're throwing spaghetti at the wall. They've done 10 posts, they got nowhere with it. And then they're like, why am I doing this? I'm writing into a void. Um, so I think that, and, and five years ago, the advice was maybe 10 years ago, the advice was like blog as much as you can, like short articles every day if possible. And like the world has changed quite a bit. And Sarah, like one a month is plenty, like one a month and done Excellent. well. With, yeah. Like the, I'm literally, I have a service that is going through other people's sites and telling them what to take down because Google has changed yeah. the rules so much in in what they're even willing to index. And a lot of these short posts that really have no search potential, um, Google's like not indexing them and then it's becoming problematic for sites. So some sites have just like bloat and it's not that they were doing anything wrong. They were just following advice from 10 years ago that did work then, but like just doesn't work anymore. Um, so Michelle, I always try to- mm -hmm. For everybody, in case they were dozing, say that again, what yeah, you told Sarah. Once a month is fine. Quality over quantity, and the rules have changed. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's the truth. Like that's uh, right there. That's empowering. If you just heard that, and you're like, you mean I don't have to do it every day or every week or whatever? Okay, so we're gonna do we're gonna do one a month, guys. We're gonna be in the one a month club. All of us. We're gonna start doing this. Now, how do we do it well, Michelle? Where do we begin? Keyword research, keyword research. <laughs> no, I'm dead again. Forget it. You lost me. Hell, you know. Okay, so here's okay. So think stressful. about keyword research. No, it isn't. It isn't. Think about it this way. Okay, think good. This way. Okay. Keyword research is the quickest, easiest way to figure out what your audience cares about, right? Like if they care about it enough to put it into the Google search box, it's a legitimate problem. You have proof you have evidence that people in the world want to read this thing meaning people have a problem and you know how to solve it and you could write about that on the internet so like often people confuse i think it's because blogging used to be a personal thing right like 15 years ago it was the mommy blogs or it was like my personal blog on the internet um and so people think of blogging kind of as a personal thing like sharing your stories where like blogging these days is pretty like how to and like um, solving people's problems and showing up as an expert, but less kind of about like sharing your day. Um, so I think people need to kind I of- wanna put up, I, I wanna, I'm I, sorry to interrupt you, but I wanna put oh. up, uh, Derek said in the comments, he said, I think yes. the term blog has a stigma by clients mm -hmm. as quote diary writing. Yeah. Uh, so you're you're dead on with that and uh, you got it, Derek. And then uh, and Aaron- Sorry, go Aaron ahead. followed it up by saying he likes to put it under resources. I've tried to explain this a little bit to clients too. Like, let's just call it something else. Cause that does sound a little bit like 
like that. Like, would yeah, why would slip you want to read a company's diary? Right? No. A company's diary sounds like a terrible thing to read. I like content hubs. So I I think that the basic organization of a web, WordPress, by default, puts them in reverse chronological order. So that's the equivalent of going to a library and them saying, here's all the books we bought in the order that we bought them, like not helpful. Um, so I've right. worked, I mean, the I have a I have a link I can share. Um, it's uh, Content Harmony. If you Google Content Harmony Content Hubs, they have an amazing article about how to make, how to organize blog content so that it's actually usable. And it'll just like totally change how you think about blogs because, you know, thinking of it as an encyclopedia that you have on your site that like helps people at all stages of the funnel and like having not a reverse chronological blog archive page, but something that's actually organized. I mean, it just makes sense once you hear it and they have amazing examples of ones that you can follow. Okay. We just nice. put it in the, it's in the chat there for everybody. I think the link went out to all the places. Um, so you guys can check that out. Okay. So let's, so let's go back to the keyword research. Hmm. Oh my gosh, before we do, hold on. There's one other thing I have to share. I don't know who WP Foodie Girl is, but she is bringing the energy that we all want to see here at Divi Chat, you guys. <laughs> OMG, I am screaming. I can't believe I caught you guys live and that the topic is blogging SEO. So WP, WW Foodie Girl, tell us who you are. Cause I don't know. Do we know you? Maybe it sounds like you're a regular, but we don't. We don't know you. So anyway, we're super glad you're here. Thank you for saying hi. And no, like, don't, you don't have to scream. It's fine. But I like your energy. So uh, I just want to share that if you guys are, it seems like we've got a pretty good crowd online here today. And maybe some some newbies who came to follow Miss Michelle over here. So if you are new to watching live, please do say hi in the chat. We're glad to have you. So anyway, I just keep interrupting you. I ask you questions. Oh. And as soon as you start answering me, I interrupt you. So keyword research, um, it gets a bad rap. Yes. I get it. It seems very data. It seems very analytical. It seems very like, oh my goodness, don't even stop. But I like to think of it as like looking it, over your customer's shoulder while that. they're using Google. I just, I just don't know how to do it. Like even okay, so, when I have like, okay, there's tools. Okay, well, I don't. Yeah, I don't okay. I admit them. that those tools, they're great. I love them. I'm a personally a gigantic Ahrefs fan. But to mm -hmm. say that you don't actually have to pay for this. So a quick and easy I don't one. have an extra 10K a year. Sorry, Ahrefs. It's true. And yeah, they changed their pricing. Um, however, um, a quick and easy way is think of a topic that you're pretty sure that your target audience would be interested in. Um, so if you're selling, you know, how to get clients fast, that type of stuff. You, you know people are searching that. Um, and then go scroll to the bottom of the page and you're going to see related searches. And that's going to be literally like all of the other ways that people would search for that information. So you're not going to know how many people search it. You're not going to, but you know that people are searching that. Um, and those are like, that's a quick and dirty way to find actual keywords. So what I put in how to find clients fast is just my idiosyncratic way of searching. Um, once you get to the bottom, you sort of getting, you're getting trends. So you're getting like, how would other people search for this? Which is clearly kind of what you want to know more about. Cause like, you're not writing for yourself. You're writing for other people. Um, so that's a quick and easy way to, I mean, there's a million ways to do keyword research, but that is an easy way to do it for free to start getting into the head of your an example. Can we do like an example? Let's pick something. I know you like to do puppy training or something like that as you're like, that's yes, your go-to. I, I just listened to you on Josh Hall's okay. podcast. Another one that's this. good and slightly cooler is margarita, watermelon margarita. 
Okay, but also this is all Divi people. Oh. So maybe we could do That's something insane. about web development. Like it's web, I, we're web geeks right. here. Can I make a suggestion? Mm -hmm. Please. Because I think for the people that are listening, you know, is, that are web designers, the thing you want to be careful about is you want to make sure the content you're writing isn't going to attract other web designers. Um, you're wanting to attract people that want a website. And yeah. so you got to stop and think like, what's the reason a company or a business needs a website? Because they're looking to get more customer activity. And that's mm -hmm. the thing. Like you want to think customer activity, mm -hmm, customer activity. Mm -hmm. So we shifted and, and I was just looking at this yesterday. Like, so I started really working on our YouTube and what I need to do is now bring that content over to our blog. Um, I just haven't done it yet, but we're starting to do a series of, you know, what makes, you know, what the, the top five things every chiropractor website should have. Mm -hmm. um, what should be on a, you know, what should be on the homepage of mm -hmm. your um, restaurant website? You know, so you want to think about like if somebody's a chiropractor and they're thinking about their website and and they're trying to decide between a DIY job or they're going to do it themselves mm -hmm. or they're researching to maybe interview. Like another one is interview questions, you know, mm -hmm. things to ask a web designer when trying to find one to hire. Mm -hmm. Those are the types of content that I think web designers should be writing. Now I'm willing to be told I'm wrong by Michelle, but that's you're right. That's no, and it is such a common mistake because so because we we want to talk about things, we want to write about things on the internet that we're experts on, and so you often do end up speaking to your colleagues, and then you end up attracting your colleagues, which is sort of helpful, but isn't going to turn into a conversion. I mean, you might get referrals out of that, but you won't get actual leads. Um, so what that? What do they call that? Like the um the uh the expert conundrum or the expert yeah. or something like that because you're not speaking to you're speaking up here instead of down where you're which the people why, that really need you which is why keyword research is so key right because it's so hard to get out of your own head and so okay like, so pick you, one of those that eric said so one that i love to talk about is how to write your about page like i know okay. that there is topics around this and it's not just yeah, how to write so great. How to write your about page. I like, I, I happen to know that this actually has a quite, I mean, it's such a pain point. Think about it. Like how many people have been mm -hmm. like, oh, I wrote the homepage, oh. but I can't for this. I can't write that bio page. Like they don't know how that to is, do it. It's the worst. She said, she said, we just need to think about it. I'm Canadian, <laughs> very Canadian. Um, so how to write your about page. So that's, that would be a great topic. And I've worked with lots of web designers on SEO. And it is a good topic, but I know offhand, there is no way that any small website, which literally is all of the websites that we manage um, ourselves, is ever going to rank in the top 10 for how to write your about page. Because like HubSpot and like, I mean, I, it's, yeah. it's literally giants, right? So that is a good topic, meaning your audience would be very interested in it. But from an SEO perspective, if you don't make it to the top 10 and you just don't have a fighting chance, um, you won't make get any traffic because the top 10, I mean, probably you need to get to the top three. So what you need to do is niche down. And then Eric's example of the chiropractor is perfect, right? So sure, there's thousands of people that are how to write my about page, but we don't actually know who they are besides the fact that they're writing an about page, but like how to write an about page for photographers. Oh, now we're talking. So like mm -hmm. niche it down and then make sure that there is some evidence out there, like find evidence that people are actually searching for this thing and then look at the competitive landscape and then say, oh, are there any small sites making it into the top 10? Are any sites that are about as big as my site making it into the top 10? And if so, then think about proceeding. And then the next step is 
if you want to be the number one spot, like, can you do it better? Like, do you deserve that spot? Like, do you have something to say? Do you have something to share with the world? Can you be more generous? Can you cover it better than what is there now? Like, can you satisfy the user's need better? And you probably can. I'm not, I'm not saying don't, don't start down the imposter syndrome. I mean, literally look at those things and probably some freelance writer who has no idea about, you know, the web design business is the one who wrote it. So like, it's not that hard. Um, and so just like apply your own expertise to it and like write the world's best post that really answers that question for somebody. And I think that's the key both to SEO and I think that's the key to conversions. What is to write something that's impressive? Like they're really <laughs> like so that. Simple, you guys just be impressive, <laughs> but, but just show your best self and like be the expert that you are online, right? Just to say that, like, frankly, a lot of the internet content is not very good. And if you if you do something similar, but you bring in your firsthand experience, you talk about how specific examples of about pages that you've worked with people you show a before and an after you go interview some copywriters about their best tips and you put those quotes you play journalist and you like put those best tips into the post like i don't know exactly what is ranking right now for that particular topic but like and then you tailor it to the audience you don't just title it how to write an about page for photographers but you actually sit down and think like I know these photographers. I make websites for them all the time. What are the specific things that they struggle with? Well, it's maybe imagery, right? Like how do they integrate their images into their about page in a way that serves them? Um, and so if you have an opinion on that, write about it. Um, and then that's like Google will reward you for that kind of content. That's like really thoughtful and really targeted. And, and I think when you speak to people at that level and they're like, wow, this person just solved my problem, turns out they make websites and I'm stuck on mine. I'm gonna fill out that form. I love that. Sarah, do you have something to contribute? I, uh, I guess I've got questions. Um, so I have oh. a question if, um, if you then wanted to niche that down into like a local market. So mm. say for example, um, I'm wanting to hit the photographers in Canberra Mm -hmm. which is where I live, um, would I then be trying to integrate Canberra into all my posts or does that work against me continually bringing in Canberra into blog posts? Such a good question. Really? And Eric has a lot to say about this too because he is the local SEO guru. Local SEO is quite <laughs> different. I mm -hmm. mean, I actually, I mean, like a photographer, I live in Edmonton, Canada. And I mean, how many people need best places to get your wedding photos taken? And I, I mean, those they're, it's just not that compelling. And, and it looks funny from like the user's perspective, like they keep on writing these weird articles about Edmonton plus photography. Um, so I think that blogging can be valuable for a local business, but I mean, reviews are so much more important to getting that traffic locally. And I mean, it's literally just a different algorithm. And so for local businesses, I don't generally recommend. Um, so I could still be writing, say, the same article that's like how to write your about page mm -hmm. for photographers. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about Canberra at all, mm -hmm. but because this topic is useful and I've written it in a really good way, local people will get it higher, whereas someone in Canada isn't like they won't see it at all. They may or they may not. I mean, it's it, it really comes down to the keyword. So that particular keyword, how to write an about page for a photographer, probably has a pretty global reach. Like you're likely mm -hmm. to rank 
the same ish around the world in English markets. Like obviously, but would you have speaking. a better shot locally? Because say you've got really good Google My Business reviews, so you've got like five stars, lots mm-hmm. of reviews, and then obviously on your website you're talking about locally where you live. Mm-hmm. Is it going to get a boost locally because you're local? You'd have to test it. You might. I mean, you'd certainly get a boost if anybody had ever seen your site before. So like if in if they'd already visited your site and spent some mm-hmm. time there and then happened to search, like it would be in their personalized search, I think you okay. probably get higher. Um, whether you have a boost locally or not is really hard to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, it really, like I would have to test it. And and the, it's testable. Like you can basically set up a rank checker to yeah. um, check that keyword in different locations and see yeah, right. if like, oh, you know, like you're never going to 100% know. Um, but you would probably be able to say, Hey, isn't that interesting? I have a lot of people from this particular area that do business with me and I rank higher here than anywhere else. Okay. I think that's a real thing. Um, or, but the truth is, is that like that particular keyword doesn't really have a local intent. Now, if it was how to write it in Australian English, 100% you'd do better in Australia than other places. Um, but you know, that there's not a lot of local difference in how one writes and on page. no one in Australia would read an article that said how to write it in Australian English. No one. <laughs> Everyone would see that and be like, you're not from Australia. I'm not reading your article. <laughs> now, Michelle, could she take some of those posts? So let's say she does a series of like, like four posts like that and then created a page about resources for Canberra-based photography businesses um and then wrote a little descriptive thing mm-hmm. and then linked to each of those cried kind of creating like a a, a content hub around mm-hmm. that because i think the thing to keep in mind is and, and i tell our, our clients all the time your website doesn't rank a page and a post ranks mm-hmm. and so you could start to rank really high as a resource mm-hmm. because you're getting that cross-linking then in on your site True, false. True. So there is, so sometimes you need more than one page to rank for a keyword that you're targeting. Like that is just a ground truth, right? So if you only ever wrote, you know, one article on how to write an about page for photographers, um, you know, that's just a standalone article. You haven't really proved to Google all that much that you really are, say, the expert in copywriting or the expert in photographers. Um, but if you generally have a site that really like is aimed at photographers and web design and you've really like hit on a bunch of different related things and you link them together, you're really proving your expertise in a particular niche. And so having more than one page is often useful. And you may then write pages that you know either don't have direct search potential or they're not super valuable in the search potential, but they kind of need to be there to prove your worth. Um, And so, you know, the one that's like about pages for photographers and then maybe another one is like, how how do I make a great um, contact form for photography leads or whatever, like all the different types of things that are sort of specific to photographers and websites. Um, And then over time, those things will compound in terms of interest. And yeah, you can also do like Eric's direct question. If you have, I mean, it it just comes down to keyword research again, but like you could probably find that there is something specific about Canberra and photographers. And that's probably the nichiest niche topic. And it's probably a quick win. Um, Mm -hmm. And in that case, like whatever it is they are asking, maybe it's some sort of legal question or like maybe it's some sort of like, you know, 
in a sense, it's it's easier to find out what that niche niche topic is by going to the search patterns. Like an example that I found once was um, videographers and GDPR. So like, what are the, the rules about GDPR and videography? Um, and I never would have thought of that, but I found it looking up videography things in the UK. <laughs> um, and so that's like, there are sometimes niche topics, but you have to get like super creative to find them. The ones that are local. And is it and totally niche. okay for all of these things to be blog posts? Like you don't have to, there's no difference to um, Google whether something's a blog post versus a page, right? It's just like further down in the structure. Yeah. And it's really like, I mean, one has a, a date associated with it. Um, mm -hmm. And Google doesn't really care. So I always just tell people that if it's a core page on your site that's evergreen and you want people to see and like it's not um, kind of ephemeral, like you can go ahead and make it a page. Also, you know, just the way web design is, it's kind of easier to make a nice looking page that has high production value and like looks super professional if you just like make it a page. Um, but blog posts are really good as well. I mean, it doesn't really matter. You forget um, who you're talking to. <laughs> yeah, I guess you can probably make your blog posts look beautiful. We can make them amazing. <laughs> know your audience, Michelle. All right, Michelle. I'm bringing the heat on you because I still don't know how to do keyword research. Okay. So when you're I mean, telling you me tell like, how just I go, do it? Like if I have if I have an idea for something I want to write about, I should just go Google it and see what other people are saying. I mean, it is Google that that your advice you're optimizing for. So yes, yes okay. you do need to Google okay. it. Um, All right, so, so yeah. we're, we're coming up with a list. We're going to have some steps, though. So that's okay, one. So um, well, so do you want free tools or paid tools? I think that's the big question. All right. I mean, okay. free. please. Free. <laughs> if I'm going to pay, I want to know which one to pay for. Totally. So I can answer I that question, too. Okay. So there's two ways of going about this. One way, and, and to plug Josh Hall, who's a good buddy of mine, I did a podcast on him with him that was called keyword research for free. And so I literally yes. went over this process about how to do keyword research without any paid tools. Um, and it starts by looking at Google differently and using we'll Google. Put a link to that in the, uh, in the show notes, everybody. Thank you. Um, the, so the first step is like, you pick the keyword the way that you would look, search for that. Like um, let's do the about page example. So uh, I could not, I like, I could not have planned this any better that to have a Canadian guest that continues to talk about Naboot page. And like, I, my, the childish, I am never going to do this of humor again. in me is it. like, I was, I couldn't be happier. It's making me so good. I'm glad oh. you you're having fun with me. Yeah. Um, I can't stop it. So it continues. Uh, so, uh, how to write an about page you would have, um, you would write it, your idiosyncratic way of searching it is not good enough. So you're going to say, maybe you would be like, I'm so stuck. How do I write my about page? Well, like you are literally the only person that's ever given that specific phrase to Google, but Google is interpreting it as about page photographer. Okay. So we've, we've got to the fact we go down to the bottom of the page. There's a couple other ways to find them. Um, as I mentioned in that podcast, you can also, um, click on one of the results. So you search, you click on the second result, just pick one at random, then use the back button on your browser. And it's going to ever helpful give you, um, it's, what is it called? It's called, did you mean, or something like that? It just gives you a whole bunch of other keywords. You just mm -hmm. find nice. another list of keywords. Um, and that's a nice little trick. Um, so then you're basically looking at all of these related keywords that Google is spitting up as you're using Google and sorry, make sure that when you do all of this, you do it in an incognito window so that it's not adjusted to your own personal search experience. So incognito window, search the thing, look at the bottom of the page for related searches, and then look at, go 
choose one, anyone, come back and then go grab those. And then just like lather, rinse, repeat until you start seeing repetitive stuff. You're going to start seeing the same keywords coming up. Um, another way to find keywords without paying anything is autocomplete. Um, so as you're typing in like about page four, okay, you're going to get a bunch of examples. And then you can even go through the whole alphabet. So you can be about page four A and then see like which ones would complete with A and then do B. Um, so anyways, that's another little trick. So basically you just need to find other people's search behaviors. That's the, that's the point. Um, you're never going to find volume or competitiveness doing this method, but it at least gets you out of your own head and kind of gives you some evidence that other people care about the thing that you're going to write about. Yeah. I was um, going to say like, if I go and search like um, AI generation, AI copywriting for grandmas, mm -hmm. like, that seems like a great idea to me, but yeah. it does. No, it doesn't really. You're but, probably but like, not going to get a lot of traffic. Go out and search that. They would come up with other suggestions, yeah. but that's probably going to be a terrible thing to write about. So how do you know if it's a good idea in the first place? Okay. So, I mean, part of it is, you know, your audience. So like the reason why you know that's a crappy idea is because grandmas don't care. Um, right. So part of it is just that you happen to know, but you, you'd want to know like, okay, there's a couple different ways. And here's the editor part of me coming in, but like there's AI writer, there's like AI copywriting, there's AI generated text, AI content, yeah. AI blogging. So you do have to use some brainstorming and recognize that there's lots of different ways, especially with such a new field that doesn't have like a lingo that's totally set in stone yet. Um, you do want to think about all the different variations of it. Um, and then a very cheap, so not free, but a very cheap keyword tool is called Keywords Everywhere. It's like dirt cheap. Like you I haven't even heard of that one. Keywords Everywhere is great. It it's like a it plugs into Google. It really like and actually the funny part is is that if anyone ever uses your computer, they'll be like, what's going on with Google? Like there's stuff everywhere. Um so it basically adds in um volumes and some level of competitiveness ideas into cool. your own google search experience so it's a great way to start learning about like how that is you could there. just see things as you're just as going you're about your regular life right like you're using mm -hmm. google and then you just have like a i just feel like when you start thinking about seo you just use google differently you're like oh i've been using this my whole life and now somebody put glasses on and now i see what's happening behind the scenes um, so keywords anywhere, like I think you can basically give them $10 and I've never run out of my $10. So it's really cheap. Wow. Um, wow. Okay. It used that's to a be great free. Now it's very, very cheap. Um, so that's a good way to get volume numbers. Like how many people search this per month, which is an important okay. thing to know, right? Like, so um, we have a free option mm -hmm. of some tips to use with Google. We've got mm -hmm. a cheap option. Mm -hmm. And then of course your beloved AHREFs, which the super is expensive yeah, option. Yeah. So, like that's the Cadillac or the, whatever. The main the, difference, the main difference Ferrari. here. Ferrari is that if you do the freeway and you're mostly doing it via Google, you're gonna get directional information. You're gonna get like pretty good information, enough that you could make decisions. Um, mm -hmm. The difference between that and the Pro Tools is that with the Pro Tools, you just go to the database. Like you can search yep. 4 billion keywords. So I like to tell clients like, I have 4 billion keywords to choose from. I need to find the 1000 that like are good for you. Like are there, I need to narrow it down so that I'm, you know, I have all the keywords, but that's not helpful to anybody. Um, so keyword research allows you to, uh, go straight to the database and really understand. So you can do searches like photography, Australia, and then see what's coming up and, you yeah. know, uh, you know, uh, photography plus like the abbreviation for Australia and like, anyways, those types of things. That's why keyword research is really fun. Okay. So keyword research, super important, super, mm -hmm. not as hard yeah. as it seems apparently.
That's what we've learned, sort of. Well, I'm going to go try some of these things. We do have to keep going, though. If you guys want to learn more about this, definitely go check out that um, podcast episode that Michelle did with Josh. Uh, and also, I just want to take a mo have a moment of silence, thoughts and prayers going out to anybody who usually listens on 1.5 speed, because with me, Michelle, here, like, you are in full-blown chipmunk mode right now, my <laughs> friend. We both talk totally. really, really fast. So, uh, our, Which our is why it's fun to chat with you. With you. <laughs> RIP to that 2.0 speed, you guys, because it's not happening this week. Okay, so next up, let's talk about, uh, we're going to transition from this into how we're going to get conversions. But the one thing I want to touch on, and we can move quickly through this one because we are web geeks around here. Mm -hmm. What's the, the, the physical structure of the page that's important? We know H tags, we got to have those in place, and we want to have keywords in the heading tags, mm -hmm. right? The yeah. the SEO plugins help with that a lot too, right? Like they tell you like you don't have enough keyword density in your H in your headings and things and it's like also, that. The thing that most people don't know is related terms. So it's less like how many times did you use the words coffee? And it's more like if you're talking about coffee, but you didn't mention coffee grinds or filters, then it's probably not a complete post. So it's like making sure that you're writing naturally and that you're using all like the the full range of language that's associated with this thing. So there's some tools for that as well. Um, I use one called Market Muse. Another one that does that is Surfer SEO. And so these are ones that are like, they're a step up from the plugins um, and they do work. So that's how to, opt I mean, that's a very quick way to optimize, um, but nice. know your keyword and then use one of the on-page optimization tools um, to make sure Market that you're Muse, not what was missing the other something. One? Surfer SEO and Market Muse. I've heard of that. Was that on AppSumo? It was. Yeah. So Market <laughs> Muse, Market Muse is and it's good. Level. Oh, it's so good. And I and I I have it. Um, Market Muse is amazing and it's so expensive. They have a free plan for so like do try out the free plan. Um, but just to say that if you can't afford six hundred dollars a month, which is pretty steep, um, yeah. then Surfer SEO is a good choice. Nice. Uh, okay, we've got a couple questions in here. One question is about um, comparing a couple programs. Um, Michelle might, I think she'd be willing to jump into the chat maybe after we're done and sure. answer all those questions will. potentially. Um, that's for, uh, oh, and, and, and um, Eric just answered one of them as well. Um, the, there was something else. Uh, okay, never mind. I, I'll try and scroll through and find it when you're. Oh, here it is. I found it. Sean Smith, he says. So there's a lot of overlap between SEO and conversion rate mm -hmm. optimization. So this is where we're going to shift into this. And um, again, we took the majority of our show talking about the keyword research, which we should have done. But it's such a foundational, beginning, like basic thing. So now let's talk a little bit about how to optimize for conversion. Now, is this something that you find your you feel like that you're an expert in as well, Michelle? I mean, I do it, but I think you guys are also experts in this. So I don't know if I want to like take the mic the whole time. Um, but Go ahead, share what you like. So I, once a site is getting traffic to a page, that's when you should start paying attention to conversions, right? So like, don't bother optimizing things that aren't getting traffic yet, because that's just a waste of energy. But things that I like to do that have worked with my clients, um, you can do, I, I call them CTA blocks. I think I might've made that up, but basically like you have the traffic on your site 
So you have the right to put an ad in the middle of your article. <laughs> so like, yeah. you know, don't get to the bottom. Don't don't wait till somebody's at the bottom of your post. Like go announce that you have services that you're selling in the midst of your post. Um, and then direct people to places that you want them to go and things that are such related. a that's such a no duh tip. Why don't why don't we do more of that? It works like a charm. Right. And you can, yeah. It works like a charm. You can have like a spammy have ads all in the middle of everything i mean you might as well put your own ads there so that's one and and right. i like i like it in line like i like it just yeah. in between two paragraphs um especially if you can put it like at a like a money moment in the post where you're like boom <laughs> and then like look at that um so that's fun and then and okay. i mean and so that's a very good way to do it i mean there's obviously there's opt-ins so like make sure that you have some level like give people a chance to leave their email address when they're reading your stuff to stay in touch and give them something valuable so that it's not just like, you know, give us your email address and we'll give you nothing in return. Like make sure that you make it look valuable. Um, and content upgrades. So um, Elegant Themes is the, like, they do this so, so well, right? Like how do you not get on their email list? Because they're like, we're gonna show you how to do all of this, but if you just want the file and you don't wanna follow us, uh, give us your email and you can get the download. Um, and that's the perfect content upgrade. And I think it's perfect because it's always tied to the topic, right? Like they always have a content upgrade that's exactly tailored to the thing that you just searched to get there. So like, of course they have fantastic conversion rates. Um, and so I think once your, once your thing, once your blog post is getting some traction, that's when you wanna like invest in something that's useful for this particular audience that's going to be really attractive to them. Love it. Um, Eric, do you have any tips for this, for conversions? I feel like you've, you've put some thought into how to get people to convert when they're on your site. Yeah, I, the same thing, the, the idea of like, so what's the thing that I can give? And it's not always going to be the same. Like you may need a couple different lead magnets. Um, you know, we have a couple a few different email magnets. We have one primary one that's on 95% of our pages, um, you know, but don't be afraid to give away things. So like right now, if you go to, you know, if you, if you land on one of our review pages, um, one of the, and, and review post, um, we're giving away the three emails that we use. Um, you know, to get reviews, the three emails that last year got 44,500 five-star reviews. You can use these three emails and then people are downloading it. And then I have a little video link in there that they go through and I'm saying, okay, so here's how you set it up. Um, you just want to make sure if somebody clicks on step one, you know, that you don't send them our email one, you don't send them the email two. If this sounds too complex to set up, let me know. And we can talk about how setting you up, how we can get you into review leads. So kind of like what my Michelle favorite said. sales technique. Mm -hmm. We, you want to give a band aid, mm -hmm. but then offer the cure. And mm -hmm. that's how we do it. So, so um, our quiz funnel, we have a quiz funnel at the end of the quiz funnel, no matter which result you get, I give a band aid, but then I offer you the, the cure. Um, and so that's the key. So you might have to use some, but these don't have to be complex. I, a lot of mine, I are, very simple, plain text things. I just create in a Google Doc um, with a with a hyperlink to like a YouTube video or you know something like that. That's that's hidden. You know, it's the only way you can get it is if you have the link in the the Google Doc. I, I don't put a lot of design into them. Just you know, make them useful. Mm -hmm. Now, my main one I do, and the one the one we pay for ads to run to, we that one's very easy. Very fancy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, when you're getting traffic either from SEO or from 
ads, what, however the traffic's coming and the more that's coming. Joan asks uh, a question I think you guys could answer pretty easily. What amount of visits to your website do you consider getting traffic to your site? I mean, more than Whatever. zero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you're getting traffic under keywords, I mean, what I aim for, you're always gonna get traffic under your branded keyword. When people are literally looking for you because they met you at a party and they can find you, I mean, that counts, but I think the goal should be to get, to, to do it, to be able to get some traffic at least where the people didn't know you already. So that's kind of where I'm aiming with a lot of sites where they're already getting like some traffic because they're getting branded traffic, but getting unbranded traffic, I think is where you can really start to grow. Like that's where it really starts to pay off. Cool. Okay. So uh, do we have any other, Sarah, do you have any conversion tips? Oh, Eric's got another one. Well, I have a question. I have a question. Oh. Um, table of contents. Does it, is it really helpful? Does it help with the conversion? Does it help with RAM? I see a lot of conflicting information about having a table of contents at the top with hyperlinks to e each section. As long as it's a long post, absolutely do it. You get site links okay. in the Google search results, right? So like if you look, you get the blue link and then you get the meta description and then you get boing, bang, 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 like extra links in the search results, that's the table of contents. So like okay. it's, it's like a one-to-one, -one. like do what, it as long as it makes sense for the post. What would be a, what do you consider long? <sighs> Anything over a thousand words that has like subsections, something that has subsections, I think like that are, and, and because it helps people, right? Not everybody wants to read your whole post. They just want to like go to what they care about. <laughs> people want to read my entire post. <laughs> Obviously. <You> wish. <laughs> <laughs> but for sure, for sure, they're worth it, even just for the extra links that you get in the Google search results. And like you turn them on and then you watch the results and it's so one to one. There are so few things that you can tell in SEO actually made a difference. Like it's so hard to prove causality, but that's one of the ones that you can. Yeah, nice. Great question just about post length, though. Do you have general um, recommendations for post length just in general, like for our once a month post? So it depends but you should be guided by what is ranking now so if when you google now that po that keyword that you're aiming for and everything is 500 words well that's a pretty good hint that people want quick to the point answers um if you google now and it's 6000 word guides well then that keyword requires probably about 6000 words to be competitive so like go by what's ranking now but in general anything less than 500 words google doesn't take all that seriously so if you can explain it in 500 words, it probably doesn't need a blog post. Um, but so a thousand is kind of like a good general if you don't know anything else, but like really, truly, it depends on the keyword. That's good. That's good. Man, this has been a lot of guys. I just want to share a couple of these things we're getting in the in the comments. This has been really fun. Um, Dirigo, I can never remember how Jake said, pronounced his business name. I know it's Jake. He says, uh, great episode. Um, and, oh, wait, is this him again? I thought that was you, Jake. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong about your business name. Great info, Michelle. Thanks for sharing tons Thank of nuggets. You. Jake, if those are both you, you better have given a thumbs up while you're logged into your account. <laughs> um, and then uh, Kim Ortiz was loving Eric's yeah. line. I did too. I made a note of that. You want to give a Band-Aid and offer a cure as well. We did have tons of nuggets in this episode. This is one we're going to have to go back and watch again. Uh, probably I will for sure. Cause I was like, that's a lot happening over here, but, um, thank you for coming, Michelle. I, I feel like this hour absolutely flew by and we didn't get to talk about AI at all. 
You're oh going to have to come back. That's all I would saying. love to. I would love to. Okay. Joan says, yes. Awesome topic. Do it again, please. Um, we've got, we've got, uh, seven or eight minutes left guys if you are wherever you're listening or watching right now please give us a like give us a review too sometime if you found this episode useful give us a, a review and it, it warms our heart it makes us feel so good and also we're open to suggestions of topics that you want to hear about so if there's something that's specific that you'd like us to schedule a an episode about we're all ears and if there's something that we have talked about like today or in the past that you'd just like us to go into more detail on we're all for that too so please do share there's plenty of places you can reach out to us you can hit us up on on the, our various social channels on the divi chat facebook page comment on the youtube videos wherever okay so um let's uh, do you want to do final thoughts today guys sure. yeah. yeah so uh it, who wants to go first uh sarah do you have any final thoughts to share We'll we'll do it first so Michelle sees what we mean. This is sort of like our our top take mm. from the episode because this had so much. This was a rapid fire episode. I mean, for me, this is all new, right? Like I'm actually starting to make an effort with blog posting. So for me, the big takeaway is I'm doing it right once a month. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, um, I think there were some really good tools in there. I'm keen to have a look at some of them. And I'm kind of on that border edge of am I going to invest in some stuff or am I not? And so I think playing around with some of those things is going to be a really good way forward. And I loved the tip of kind of, because I think where I always get stuck with keyword research is the way my brain thinks. So being able to convert mm -hmm. that in, because I've used some of the tools before, but I'm still using what my brain thinks. Mm -hmm. And so being able to kind of maybe start with Google and find out how other people Google it and then taking that to a tool, mm -hmm. I think is really useful for me because I get really stuck with, but I know what to Google. And so how do I Google in a way where someone doesn't know how to Google for that thing? I always get stuck at that point. So mm. that's great for me. Yeah. Uh, Eric, any final thoughts? Uh, so my final thought would be um, keep in mind that there's a, a difference between the, the creation process and the production process. So I would encourage you schedule some time um, right now, you know, or, you know, when we're all done, um, schedule and find it, look at your calendar. Find an, an hour next week or, you know, if you can go to a coffee shop, buffer some travel time on that, um, get get into a different place and go there just to come up with a list mm -hmm. of your blog posts. Just create your list first, then schedule time for production. I think mm -hmm. where a lot of people trip up is they sit down and they're like, okay, I'm going to write a blog post today. What do I write about? What do I write? And by the time they come up with that, the idea of writing it starts to become, you know, it's this it because it's a shift. So. Um, creation and then production or should be done at two different times mm -hmm. nice i'm not so sure i just like i follow your your uh separation of the two so creation is where you're just coming up with ideas and the production is where you're writing it yeah i should say ideation and 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 production are, are two different things so once it's one place is kind of, that would be a better way to say it ideation versus creation or even production. just scheduling two different times right so you schedule time to think of keywords mm -hmm. do the keyword research mm -hmm. and then stop mm -hmm. and go away and maybe your brain will even ponder stuff in the meantime then you come back for your second round and then you start to you've picked one and now you just focus in on that one 
for your. Did you only have to do one a month? Now we learned. I love. That's right. I, so maybe once a fortnight is all you need, right? Like, yeah. what, you guys don't use Fortnite. Once every two weeks. I wish we did use Fortnite because it <laughs> makes a lot more sense than bi week, bi monthly, or bi weekly, which could yeah. both be the same thing. <laughs> but once every two weeks, right? Mm -hmm. So you have your one hour once a week to like think up what's the idea going to be for next week, and then the next week you actually write it, and then you know, you launch it. And so you've kind of got like once a week, you have one little part of the process. And so then once a month, you're actually launching it. Mm -hmm. well, yeah, that's a great idea to break it down like that. If then it's not such a daunting task, mm -hmm. if you're only going to do one a month. I have a good final thought that follows on both of this. And this is coming okay. from my writer slash editor hat, not my SEO okay. hat. Okay everybody's first draft is terrible. So like mm. if you, everybody, like the most famous people, the good writing is always in rewriting, always. Mm. And so like, just barf it out. Like you're the expert, you know this <laughs> stuff. Barf it out onto a page, no one's ever gonna see it. Come back 24 hours later, rewrite it. That's when you pay attention to language. Do not try to do everything all at once and like sit in between. Like that is how good writing happens. Um, and a book recommendation that'll help you with that is, Anne Handley's Everybody Writes. It is gold. And I have given it to clients and it has transformed the writing and gotten them over this like hump overnight, literally overnight. Um, well, as long as it took them to read the book. And what do you write on? So do you have a particular app that you want to use when you're writing? Do you want one of those like really clean ones like Bear? Or do you want one that's like Microsoft Word and it gives you some tips along the way? Or do you write in Grammarly because it like helps or, edit you along the way? Or It's so individual. Like you have to find what works for you. I personally just use Word. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Grammarly, Hemingway is another great one to spend time in because mm -hmm. it helps you simplify your writing while you're writing. Yeah, but nice. truthfully, just barf it out. Like, don't worry about what Hemingway thinks about your first draft because like yeah. that wasn't the point. It was, you just get a structure and the ideas out. Um, yeah. There's even a practice called free writing. So if you Google it um, and it's literally like, your job is to sit in front of a computer and move your fingers for half an hour. <laughs> and like, if you just have to write la, 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 into, eventually it will come. <laughs> it's so, like you're on a, like you're on a hacking show where you yeah. just go like. <laughs> right. And, and it works. It <laughs> never works. use a mouse. Nobody on TV ever uses a mouse. It's all keyboard only. And Stephanie, you and I were talking about how we think outside of our bodies, right? Like I think with writing and people think we process externally. That's what it is. Um, so I process externally. So like I actually will come up with the ideas only when I have a pen in my hand and a blank huh. piece of paper or a notebook. So that's just me. But just to say, Anne Handley will help. She will also tell you that your first draft is allowed to be slash should be terrible. And like that shouldn't stop you. Like just the fact that it's scary to have a blank page like no one's going to see your first draft. That's fine. Well, and I'm going to, I'm just going to keep going right from that onto something that we didn't really talk about, but that is going to come back around in future episodes as we hinted at already. And that is that sometimes the hardest part is that blank page. Mm -hmm. And so if you're staring at that blank page, use one of these tools. They're not supposed to be used exclusively by themselves. Like use a tool, use ChatGPT, use Bertha AI, use one of them and get some stuff on paper. Let the AI tools barf out, as Michelle very eloquently said, the, uh, barf out the rough draft. And then it gives you something to sink your teeth into. It gives you something to manipulate and to work with. And sometimes like I've done it tons of times where I'll generate uh, a few paragraphs or something and I'll end up basically rewriting the whole thing mm -hmm. 
but that's what I needed to get me going. And so that's like another trick for, for getting started. Um, and based on our um, chat from last week uh, with voice assistance with our friend Chip, if you didn't catch that episode, that was a super fun one. Um, and if you have, like, I come up with ideas in the shower while I'm doing dishes. Like I think up things, not when I'm sitting conveniently with a pen in hand. So use your, use your technology guys. Like all of these things that we have at our disposals, create a list, um, you know, with your Alexa. And so then you can say like, you could just tell her, just like you say, like add uh, bananas to the grocery list, say, add this topic, add how to write in a boot page to my blogging list, right? Like making your own list. <laughs> I always make fun of everybody's accents. I'm such a terrible person, but it's so fun to me. I just love it. And I can't imitate them at all. I'm surprised you haven't been thanking us this whole time. Because that's <laughs> other- Thank other you, and I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, my business partner's Canadian. Oh my God, you guys are like the nicest. It's like, we're just in the United States and it's like, you guys are like our attic. Like we, it's like, you forget that you're up there and then you go up and you're like, look at all this crap up here. It's really cool. Anyway, thanks for being here, guys. That was a whirlwind. Let's give a shout out to Michelle Bermanier for coming. We're so grateful to come back anytime. Thank you. See you next week, everybody. Bye.